Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. This morning we're going to talk about when Jesus is Lord of our work. We're continuing our series, When Jesus is Lord. And we've discussed all different types of uh, areas of our life. When Jesus is Lord of our family, when Jesus is Lord of our finances, when Jesus is Lord of the physical environment, Jesus is Lord. And that is the summation of what we've said throughout the course of this message series, that Jesus is Lord. He sits on the throne, unrivaled, risen from the grave. Alive and well, Jesus is Lord. And so throughout the course of this series, typically churches will do like a vision series up top of the new year. I hope that you've seen like clearly, we didn't do a vision series, but this is the vision of Vineyard Cleveland. Jesus is Lord of his church. Jesus is the pastor of our church. The Holy Spirit is leading us in this new season. He's guiding us, taking his church by the hand into his good future that he has for us. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so we're going to talk about work today. You say, oh, great. I just came from there. I don't want to be reminded of it. You wouldn't be alone in that thought. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this new uh, Apple TV series called Severance. Are any of you familiar with that? There's a show on Apple TV completely dedicated to this, this sense or this feeling of like separating your work life from your home life because it's so crappy work life. There's no place we'd rather escape quicker from than the workplace. And today we're going to talk about what happens when a community of people join together and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my work. You are Lord of my work. And I'm hoping to show four things this morning through the course of this talk and the time that we have left, that we are partners, we're dreamers, we're cultivators, and we're storytellers. And hopefully, I think, I know, I know some of us this morning will have transformative moments in the way we view our work from this moment forward, that this would be a life-shifting um, moment for some here this morning, that they would view your work differently moving forward. So that's what we're after. And if we want to learn about work and how God views work and what God's put inside of us all, we have to go back to the very beginning. Because God talks about work in the book of Genesis. Genesis, of course, is a word that means beginnings. And it's in Genesis that we hear that God breathes his spirit into humanity. And the very first thing, a lot of times people think, when they think or talk about work, they think it begins at Genesis 3 with the curse of humanity and sin. But they'd be wrong. Work is mentioned before Genesis chapter 3. It's mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. And so that's where we're going to go. God has breathed life into humanity. And now it's Adam and Eve's job to breathe that life back out into the physical environment. And we read this, we're going to be in Genesis 2.15, which we were last Sunday in a different context, but today we're in Genesis 2.15, and we simply read this. You ready for fun? It's going to be fun. 
I promise. You're like, no, it's not. This is, it's going to be fun. I promise. I promise. Okay, ready. 2.15. Here we go. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. You know, oftentimes we look at work and, and we read here in the beginning that God took the man and he put him to work the garden. And oftentimes we think about work as a place of punishment. It's like, it's like God, God creates us. God creates us and he's like, here, now that I've breathed breath into your lungs, I'm going to punish you for the rest of your days. Here's some pain. Go to work. But that's not the way that God intended, and that's not the way that God created work. It's in work, it's in work that we find this this place of what it means to be fully human, and what it means to be fully alive. And those are good questions to be asking whether you believe in Jesus or not. What does it mean to be image bearers of God? God says, I put my image in you, and now you're to express that image in the world around you. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And a lot of times we have this sort of sense of work as, as drudgery. You know, it's like, hi-ho, hi-ho. Not with a smile on your face, of course. It's off to work, we go. But hopefully this morning we'll discover that it's not us uh, going to work. We... we We don't go to work. God sends us to work. We don't take God to work. God takes us to work. It's backwards, right? In the way that God intended it. In the work of restoration is hard. Uh, Learning to see ourselves that way, our place in the world, is difficult. You know, work has become this place of um, extraction, What can I get from this? I'm just living for the weekend until Friday hits. And then we try to escape through through these things and find a better story to live in. But the truth of the matter is that God's story is at work. God's story is already unfolding in the lives of those around you and around me. And if we want to look for the story of God and where he's speaking and moving and working, it's in the workplace. It's in our everyday. We'll see that as well. Yeah, we don't go to work. God sends us to work. And the fact of the matter is, is that whatever you are, an accountant, a doctor, a massage therapist, um, a janitorial worker, a laborer, a retiree, Whatever you are, you, you are as sent as a missionary to Taiwan, to the Ukraine, to wherever. You are as sent to work as folks who would call themselves missionaries. We don't go to work. God sends us to work. Because it's in that place where we discover creativity and beauty and, and life in the context of relationship. That's God's design. That's God's dream for us to work. There's a sense in America that the workplace is, is like this dark place within the church. And so hopefully we're going to move past some of that thinking this morning and change some perspectives on what it means to be at work. 
There's this sense of like the, the church is like this heathen, pagan, dark place that Christians need to go and like infiltrate. But the thought this morning is that God is already at work there. It's his idea. And he takes us to work. So the first big thought that I want to push today is that I am God's partner at work. I'm God's partner at work. To change our, our thinking there and, and asking questions like, what are you doing here today, God? Where, what, what are you speaking? What, are you, what might you want to do through me here in this place that you call work? How would you want to use me in this space? I want to be your partner right here. Help me step into the story that's right in front of me. And it's strange to say this, but work is the context of our days. This ordinary, unspectacular thing that is God's idea, nonetheless. Strangely, it's the context for our days. We spend a lot of time at work. And so strangely, work is the context, this unspectacular thing. I love it. Put, let's, let's put it, the, a lot of times we, we think about like the work of God and God's kingdom coming as some like megaphone, Facebook Live, like uh, bells and whistles, fireworks, and, and that's just not how Jesus operates. It's just not how he does. Will he do amazing things? Yes. Yes, he will. But most often those amazing things are done in mundane, ordinary, everyday type of ways. You know, in John, Jesus is just resurrected from the grave. It's a very superhero thing to do, right? But the only superhero, real superhero, is Jesus. He did it. He triumphed over death in the grave. He rises from the dead. And the first thing that he does... The first thing that the, the resurrected Son of God does, hey, let's fire up some um, campfire and let's cook some fish on the beach. <laughs> How unspectacular. He calls his friends and he's like, hey, I'm risen from the grave. Fire up the barbecue. Let's put some fish on the barbecue and just be normal. Isn't that amazing though? That's wonderful. And that's the context for how we should view our work, that the story of God, the grand story, narrative of God is playing out in every day, every day type of ways, in unspectacular ways. So ordinary. I love it. So if you're looking for the story of God today, it's happening at your workplace. In Romans 8.28, we read this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if you look in your Bibles, even on your phones, on the Bible app, there's a little footnote there. And if you press the footnote, a more accurate uh, reading of that scripture says this, And God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. And I just want to underscore how much God wants to partner with you in all things. God works together with those who love him to bring about what is good. And so today, whatever you call yourself at work, 
You're not a human doing, you're a human being. I get that. We're focusing on work today. Whatever, whatever your job title is, and we'll get into some of that here in a little bit, whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, whoever you are at work, you're working as an accountant with God. You're working as a doctor with God. You're working as a mechanical engineer with God to bring about a better community, to bring about the kingdom here on earth and the here and now. You're not someone who's complaining about the earth's problems and everything around you, drudgery at work, but you're someone who's partnering with the Lord of the universe to bring about creativity, beauty, better, uh, maybe, maybe you're in um, architecture and you're working to bring about safer homes for families to live in, or maybe you're, in, you're an auto mechanic and you're, you're working to provide safer cars for people to travel and to bring a better community, to bring about better relationships. That's you, is, is this clicking? You partner with God in your work. I love this. One of my friends said this about partnering with God at work. She said this. She's a nurse. And she says, each day when I'm walking into work, I pray as I walk that God would be with me, that he would strengthen me, that he would give me what I need to love people even when they aren't being entirely, uh, even when they are being entirely unlovely. That he would give me supernatural energy when I feel depleted that I would not accidentally cause any hurt or harm to anyone, that he would protect me, that he would work through me and show others his love and kindness, that I would sense his presence with me. This little ritual helps to ground me and connect me to Jesus before I even enter the chaotic workplace. The mess of a place where people are suffering can be holy ground for God to work. Isn't that beautiful? And she goes on to tell the story of this old lady who's quite hard of hearing and, and she's doing her med rounds and passing out um, pills and such. And, and um, she's caring for this old woman and she's set to go into surgery tomorrow. And, and the woman, as, as my friend is leaving the room, the woman asks my friend to pray for her. She initiated with my friend. And so my friend took that as a sign to say, oh, maybe the story of God is unfolding right where I am. And she goes on to say she thinks the whole floor heard that prayer for that woman because she was so hard of hearing. She's like, Jesus be with her. You know, (laughs) glory to God, right? (laughs) Glory to God. The whole floor hears it. You know, but you partner with God in your work. And here's the, here's the funny thing. It's kind of pathetic. But some of the people who get this best, that they're partners with God and their, their thing is to glorify God in their work are some of the most overpaid people on the planet. They're athletes. Hang with me. They get it. They really get this, right? Take like uh, Tim Tebow for an example as he was playing. You know, he throws it, throws that football, scores the touchdown. And like, what does he do? First thing, what does he do? You know, he loves Jesus, right? And he, he's saying with his, what he's saying there underneath of his football helmet is he's saying, I want everybody to know the 80,000, 100,000 people that are tuning in, that it's God who put that thing in me to do my job well. 
Professional athletes who love Jesus, they get it. How their ordinary life, well, maybe not so ordinary. (laughs) But do you get what I'm trying to say, the principle there? That their ordinary life of doing their job well connects with the story of God and partnering with him to bring him glory. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we're partners uh, with God in our everyday, and it's connected to the story of God. And we're also dreamers. As followers of Jesus, we're also dreamers. Just checking my time there. We've got a chilly. As I was preparing the message this week, I had, I thought, man, I'm going to have so many stirring my, ch- I, I'm going to have so many meaty thoughts for, for my friends. I'm going to have so many spicy thoughts for my friends. The chili analogies just keep on flowing, just marinating and simmering. Let's simmer with this scripture for a little bit, shall we? So lame. So lame. So lame. <laughs> lame jokes. Okay. We're also dreamers. God took the man and he put him in the garden. What's interesting, and it would have been stated, but it's not. What's interesting here about us being dreamers at the workplace is that he took the man to work But he didn't tell him what to do. He wasn't like, here you go, Adam, here are the health and safety codes for this organization, and you need to hit these sales reports by, you know, February, and so on and so forth. But he didn't tell him what he did, what what to do. And I love that about God. He put the man to work in the garden, to work it, and to care for it. Those are the only two guidelines that were given to Adam about work. Don't you love that? God is the most creative, curious being on the planet. Yes, God knows everything. But what do I mean here by us being dreamers at work? God is the most curious being on the planet. He he knows everything, but he's curious to find out what, what will these Imagineers come up with next? With my spirit inside of them, what is bubbling up in the hearts of men and women that they will express the kingdom of God in their everyday life? He's curious to find out what we'll dream of next. How, what will Elon Musk think of next? You know, will it just continue to be advancement, advancement, advancement? Will it ever settle down? Like, you know, it, uh, my wife is a worship leader. She led us lovely this morning. So good. So much presence. Yep. Yeah, sure. I thought so anyway. And, um, you know, oftentimes you hear in worship circles with worship leaders saying like, God, give us the songs of heaven. Give us the songs of heaven so we can sing them. But God's already, God is in heaven. God's already heard all of the songs of heaven. He's curious to know what songs men and women will write with his Holy Spirit living inside of him that we might write a song that he hasn't heard yet. In the same way with our work. He's curious to know what you will do with the thing that he's put inside of you, how you will express that in the world around you. He's created you to be a dreamer at work. And all the accountants or whatever in the room are like, my, my job couldn't be more unimaginable. I mean, it's just like there's zero creativity that goes into my work. Not true. You say you're painting a really like positive picture of work, and you'd be right, and that's on purpose. Because I believe a lot of our views on work is anti-biblical, does not follow um, how God sees our workplace. So I'm doing that on purpose in, in a way that would shape us to turn and, and, 
and turn the way that we think about work on its head to the way that Jesus sees it. He's meant for you to be a dreamer. He's meant for you to be a partner. There's something in you. Ben and I are, are often uh, quoting Paul from the book of Ephesians in, in Ephesians 2.10 that says that you and I are the poetry of God. The Greek word is poema. And what Paul is expressing there is that you have the signature, the very signature of God expressed in you. There's something that's been inscribed on your life for whoever you are, whatever you choose to do. The signature of God expressed in your life to then express in the world around you. You're meant to be a dreamer at work. A partner of God, a dreamer, to dream God's dreams. And it's, it's more, yeah, just a quick note here to say that it's, yeah, there's like a mission element to work, but I, my hope is that we'll see that it's, it's, it, it moves beyond mission, that it, um, for a rich, satisfied life, a life with God, like work is designed for that as well. Like, this isn't the traditional kind of, like, pep talk about work from pulpit that's like, go get those heathens and save them at your workplace. That's not what this is. But that you would find your heart settling into the way that God sees your work. And that he's purposed you to be at whatever office, um, wherever you find yourself at work. Thirdly, And I've got really bad news. Most preachers do three. I've got four. There's one more coming after this one. I'm so sorry. That chili smells so good. Man. Okay, sermon over. Let's go eat chili. I'm just kidding. You're like, let it be. Amen. Um, Cultivators with him. We're called to be cultivators with God. Partners, dreamers, and cultivators. With him. You know, the goal isn't to just survive the workplace as many of us think, to get to the end of the week and then escape into Never Never Land. Since when has the goal of discipleship been to just survive? Never. Never. The goal of the workplace is to shape it. To take that thing that he's inscribed in us and shape the workplace around us. To shape different areas of industry. Industry was God's idea. He came up with it. And so the goal isn't to just like survive and get through the work week. The goal is to shape that. We in America should know better than anybody else that change doesn't come from the top down. It comes from the ground up. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to serve And to be change agents wherever we are. And so we're cultivators. We go to work um, to, to shape and to restore God's original design for work. To restore that thing and, and to shape it. To shape it, why? Not to dominate. It's not this like alpha kind of like, I'm going to dominate this place with success. You know, you get these influencers online and they're like, this is what you do to dominate. For what? You know, trading dollars for days to climb some imaginary corporate ladder that doesn't really exist? No, that's not what we're saying here. We're called to shape it so that the kingdom would come to that place. 
so that folks would experience and to step into the story of God and come alive at their workplace, to come alive to find out that they too are dreamers, imagineers, cultivators, partners with God in whatever they do. And I love this story. I tell it quite a bit of my friend Martin. And this is what I mean by shaping culture in your workplace. Brilliant story. My friend named Martin, he lives in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania in Africa. He's one of the smartest dudes I know. He's also one of the most ordinary guys I know as well. Just like everyday kind of Joe guy in Africa. And he's a pastor over there, but he's not known for being a pastor of a vineyard church over there. Here's what he's known for. My friend Martin heard from God in prayer. Hey, Martin, I would like you to start a fish farm. (laughs) And Martin's like, I've never started a fish farm before, but I will do it. And so he's listening to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord Jesus says to Martin, go find this little catfish in the river. This is a true story. You could call him up right now. He goes and gets the catfish. He brings it home and puts it in a tank. The little baby catfish. And he, he's listening to God. And, and I love Martin's voice. Martin, and he's like, God says, feed the babies. And so I feed the babies. And then I do this. And I give them this algae or whatever. And he's like working through all of this, partnering with God, cultivating these little baby catfish. Well, wouldn't you know it? And I've been to his, I wish I would have put the picture. I've been to his little fish farm in the back of his house. And all of these catfish are just thriving in this pool. The, the strange thing about these catfish is that no one on the history of planet Earth, let alone Tanzania, no one on planet Earth has been able to figure out how to cultivate these catfish in captivity. Nobody. Martin, partnering with God, figured it out. The University of Dar es Salaam, ooh, the government in Tanzania comes knocking on Martin's door. How are you doing this? How are these catfish surviving? His Muslim friends are walking by his house saying, what, what do you have back there in your backyard? And Martin says, freely I receive, freely I give. He says, these are my catfish. Would you like to have a fish farm too? They say, yes, we would. Protein, healthier lives, jobs at work in the community. Martin is a cultivator at work, knowing nothing about fish farms. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful story that he's shaping the culture around him simply by partnering with God in his work. And right now, right here in this room, we have a beautiful room of cultivators. And I had so much fun this week because I talk with many of you and I ask you questions. I say, hey, how was work this week? How was work today? Oh, that's difficult. Or, oh, that's fun. Oh, I'm up for a promotion this week. Awesome. I'll be praying for you. But very rarely do I ask you, what do you do for work? And so this week was super duper fun because I got to find out what a lot of you do for work. And I just wanted us to take a, a, a minute and listen to how many different areas you people are cultivating, shaping, dreaming. You're, you're going to be flabbergasted. I'm building it up. I know, I know. But this fires me up. Check it out. Among us here, look at all these fields. We have retirees, first and foremost. That's a job. Those who are retired, is that a job? That's a job. Yep. Retirees. We have pastors. We have freelance writers. We have nurses, LPNs, 
and RPNs. We have associate mechanical engineers, teachers, lean leader, school counselors, licensed formational counselors, bank tellers, ER secretaries, restaurant servers, accounting clerks, pharmacy technicians, entrepreneurs, yeah, supervisor for mechanical rebuild, graphic designers, homeschool teachers, case management coordinators, spiritual directors, tattoo artists, family service coordinators, chief operations officers, ocean export specialists, data analysis, doctors, massage therapists, retail associates, loan processing clerks, property managers, painters, IT developers, students, custodial workers, quality inspectors, I need a breath. Administrative support for emergency medicine, associate attorneys, senior systems analysis, maintenance specialist, program assistant for the Office of Corporate and Organization Engagement, registrar of student records, product managers, general managers, classroom behavior therapists, and lean six sigma black belt. And, uh, hold on. Because I saved the best for last. And moms. Now you can clap. Moms. Or, as we like to call them, chief household executive officers. Amen. The diversity of talent that's gathered and skills of which God has placed in you to express and inscribe and write into the world around you is so diverse and there's so much goodness in this room. Enough, dare I say, to change a city for the glory of God. To make Cleveland, this place that we call home, look more like where Jesus lives. That heaven would come. That the culture of heaven would come through you. That the resurrected Jesus, the one who's conquered hell in the grave, would work through your work to bring life to those around you. And as a byproduct, stir you up and light you up and ignite you inside to see the story of God satisfied in your own life. To see the dreams that he's placed on you come to fruition. That's what our work is. And what a diverse and amazing group of folks we have around us. Lastly, we are storytellers. Oh man. Lastly, we are storytellers. Do you know that in Exodus 31, listen to this. Check this out. We skip over this all the time. The first person to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible, the first person was filled at his job. But we think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is only relegated to half an hour on a Sunday. So anti-biblical. Check it out. Exodus 31. The Lord, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. We're filled at work. We're filled at work. And we, we're filled at work to tell the story of a real God who loves humanity with his whole heart. 
Can I share it? Okay. So um, this, I, I heard a story this week that just brought tears to my eyes and how well y'all are doing at bringing the kingdom of God to your workplace. My friend is a massage therapist. And she has, as you can imagine, with this thing of physical touch, she has access into people like you and I could never imagine. When people are letting you work on them physically, on their physical bodies, there is an access and a vulnerability that happens, yes? That is unique to her experience. So she's working on this client, and this guy is an ex-cop. He's been in the force years and years and years. He's retired. During his time on the force, he's shot in the leg. And, like, the whole side of his body is, like, damaged from that. He's not paralyzed, is he? No. But just severely damaged from this bullet wound. And as she's working on this guy and, and um, massaging him, um, she just gets this overwhelming sense that she's supposed to pray for this client. And so then the atmosphere in the room shifts. My friend gets down on her knees and puts her hand on the guy's back and just begins to start praying over this client. And she's overcome with the Lord's spirit for this guy. She starts crying. She starts weeping. She's praying all these things over this guy. And she looks over, and you know how massage chairs have that hole in the cushion that people, she starts seeing tears fall through that hole in the cushion. And she felt led by the Holy Spirit to communicate to this guy. She says, listen, in the same way that you took a bullet for somebody to protect them, Jesus went to the cross and took a bullet for you to save your life. Gives his life to Christ right there on the table. That's someone who's shaping the environment around them. Who's cultivating life. And here's the crazy thing about work. Is that sometimes even when we're not expecting it, God shows up. And God shows up in crazy ways. And God will show up even on your lunch break when you're away from the office to help shift the culture around you and tell the story of God. Here's another amazing story. I want you guys to check out this video. This video has since gone viral. We are really pleased to have uh, Jane and Carrie with us this morning. Um, and, and they like, I, I don't want to tell too much of this story. This is amazing. This is what God can do when you're just out to have some lunch on your lunch break. Check out this story. Carrie and I decided to try uh, a restaurant, Fo and Beyond. So we were finishing up with our meal. I was just finishing up and taking my debit card out. Is when we heard the crash and someone yell out, oh my God. We heard someone yell out, help, and a, a, loud, a loud crash. We immediately both turned around and that's when we realized that uh, this young man was lying on the floor uh, face first and he did not appear to be breathing. I ran over to him, kneeled down on the ground, and at this point, the restaurant owner ran over to help me. I saw somebody on the floor, so I rushed in, uh, tried to find out what happened. I realized there's a young man bleeding, I saw blood. And I said, you need to help me rotate him. I cannot do it myself. So he helped me, 
and then his eyes fluttered open briefly and then closed again and he did he seemed to be completely out and at that point I did start to perform CPR on him and I probably administered maybe a dozen compressions at, at most and then he started uh, actually coming to I dialed the phone and I said, hello, this is Jane and I'm one of the customers at Faux and Beyond and your son just passed out and he's going to the hospital. And she was like, wait a minute, what? She asked me to stay on the phone with her while the paramedics worked on her son to let her know. I just tried to reassure him that he's gonna be okay. I told him my name, again, asked him his name and just tried to have a calm conversation and reassure him that he was gonna be fine. Um, and the paramedics were on their way. I guess for me it was without a question that I was gonna run and help someone in need. And, you know, I, I would hope that the same would happen for me someday if I needed that. Um, I have a strong Christian faith and, you know, compassion and kindness is part of what I practice on a daily basis. <laughs> I just um, have, I guess, a spirit in me uh, to help others when they're in need, whether it's um, in this situation, an emergency situation, or just in everyday life. So Jane and I waited until Ryan was taken away, you know, ensured that the paramedics took him away safely. And then I drove that day and we were driving back and I said, Jane, my legs are quivering. <laughs> you know, it was at that point mm -hmm. where then I started to feel everything you know we jumped into action and we, we really weren't feeling anything at that point until after the fact and and we both said yeah you know there was a reason we were there today we came back and um the first person we saw was steve groom they came in and they both stood there and they said we got to tell somebody what just happened i said oh my gosh what happened you know that's amazing that you know they had the the clarity of thought uh, and the willingness to respond, you know, to a perfect stranger, quite frankly, and, you know, do the right thing. You know, quite honestly, you know, they were and still remain incredibly humble about this. Well, um, it's my honor and privilege today to uh, present the two of you with these uh, special recognition uh, certificates from the um, city of Strongsville. Um, for your selfless acts and your uh, willingness to jump in and help someone else in need. So we really appreciate that. Um, so I'll, just here we have uh, the Mayor's Special Award presented to Carrie and Jane, employees at Axel Nobel. Receiving an accommodation from the city of Strongsville is very overwhelming and such an honor. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I was like, wow, I never thought in a million years that would be me. So. It's truly an honor. Jane and I have been overwhelmed with the outpouring of thank you coming from the organization, even from top executives of the Netherlands calling me personally. I am overwhelmed also with all the outpouring um, that we've received throughout um, this time and, and from everyone. Uh, just jumping right in and just helping someone in need, um, I, I feel that that is what the company represents. Yes, safety is key in this company and it, it's, it's in alignment with exactly what happened that day and how Jane and I jumped in to help because that's exactly what they preach here at uh, Axon Nobel. 
the mother. She actually contacted me to let me know that Ryan was doing well and they ran tests and they came back clear. The test came back clear, he did need stitches. And she said that she really appreciated us and did not know what would have happened if we were not in the restaurant. So good, yeah, so good. So good, and I wanted to share that with us just so we could see like, even in unexpected ways, like God's waiting to tell his story through you. Unexpected ways and places unexpected to you and how the telling of that story, how it happens. You know, Carrie, Carrie and Jane were just acting from a sense of all these people are coming to them and they're like, you guys are amazing, you guys are amazing. And Carrie and Jane are like, the Spirit of God lives in me, the Spirit of God lives in me. Right? And so God gets glory from that. The company themselves look in and like amplify this story. Because it's, it's a story of God's rescue. And he wants other people to hear that, you know.